forget about the funnel. I, I think about that we consistently put out high quality content, whether that's top funnel, low funnel, whatever. Um, it just needs to be of supreme uh, quality every single time. And then we need to stay constantly top of mind with these customers. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiodis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Stefan Hedebrand. Stefan is the co-founder and CMO of Dream Data, a B2B attribution platform that helps connect marketing activities to revenue. He's an expert in measuring a strategy's impact on revenue pipeline. And I think we've been chasing you for quite a while, Stefan. Uh, I don't know since when we, we have this chat open about bringing you on board, but it's good to finally have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, George. <laughs> Pleased to hear that I'm uh, that I've been in demand. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to be here and um, yeah, you I sure think, are. Uh, content and SEO is uh, one of, was one of my first loves in uh, in marketing. So uh, definitely a topic I like to to talk about. That's great. Before we talk about all these very interesting things, uh, you know, and some of the things that you do at uh, Dream Data, can you please share a few things about you and your background and uh, what has brought you to where you are today? Yeah, uh, I can. Um, so finished the uh, Copenhagen Business School in 2010. So it's uh, it's been some years now. <laughs> Ever since then, I, uh, I've always been working in, uh, in B2B companies. I've always been working in uh, marketing and growth uh, related roles. Um, I've always been working in companies that are like 100% digital or like mainly digital. So like the things I'm going to say here today is also being, being, being very biased about that's my background. So obviously, obviously there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about, but I know a lot about how to scaling uh, startups and like doing marketing for, for these kind of companies and using content as a, as one of the key drivers uh, of this. So you are co-founder and CMO at Dream yeah. Data. For people who have never heard of Dream Data before, can you please share what Dream Data is and who gets the most value out of the platform uh, and the product? Yeah, happy to, uh, George. 
so at the core of what we do, we we basically help B2B companies understand how they produce pipeline and, and revenue. The way we do that is that we uh, we create a, you can say, call it a go-to-market data platform, uh, where we basically take anything that touches the our customers' customer's journey uh, and extract it out of the data silos that it lives within today and get it into dream data and build one unified uh, customer journey. Typical examples is that you have some information in your CRM system, there's other information in the marketing automation system, then there's information in the CS tool. There's a lot of stuff going on on your website. You buy ads, you pay for intent data. You have all these things that are part of B2B customer journeys every day. And all of these things we extract out of the silos that they live within to provide our customers with a timeline of what they know about every account. And that we can, you know, look at the micro perspective, which is the one account. Where did they come from? What have they done? Have they taken part of webinars? Have they had sales meetings, etc.? But you can also summarize that into different kinds of reports about, you know, RevOps metrics. How long does it take to get a customers? Are we strong in certain segments? Uh, which reps wins most deals? But you can also break it into reports about when you've bought 10,000 clicks from Google search ads, how much revenue or pipeline did that yield afterwards? Or it can be looking at which pieces of content is it that influence revenue the most or start most customer journeys. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you can take anything that has a digital reflection and compare it to whether it actually generated a pipeline or revenue. And then I think the, the purpose of this is then to know what works, what doesn't work. <laughs> and my, 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 you know, the very low practical thing is that you like apply kind of a normal distribution or a bell curve thinking to this. So identifying the, the stuff that you do that obviously don't work and moving that, that kind of resource into the things that you, you know, deterministically can see that, that it works. That's all very interesting. And I mean, many of the things that we shared are things that I want to discuss today. Um, <laughs> but, but, before you, but before we do that, do you have a kind of a, a use case or like a, a case study you can share from one of your customers that by using dream data they managed to achieve x yeah yeah if you go to our website dreamdataio-customers you'll see a lot of these but you, you can say the ultimate outcome of what we do is that we help people significantly lower their customer acquisition costs because they they spent their time and money much more effectively uh, an example like this is the is a company called capmo which we have a case with where the the vp marketing says that he estimates that they've lowered their customer acquisition costs with 50% because this of this radical transparency that they now have and maybe if i i can just explain you why there's such an, an opportunity to to become more effective in b2b it's because all the tools that you people who are listening, the B2B marketers, all the tools that you're use, using, they're essentially they're wired to understand behaviors of individuals. They're not wired to understand the behavior of a team of, or like a buying committee. And, you know, a simple example like that is that say you've written a great SEO article, pulls in tons of traffic every month. Then that is the first, probably the first touch of a lot of accounts. But then this account persists of three, four, five people more. And then when this contract is going to be signed six months from when you pulled in the first visit to the SEO article, 
nobody's going to be able to see that that article you wrote like consistently keeps pulling in traffic that becomes revenue six months later. And that, that is kind of the, the bridge that we gap for our customers. We take all the individuals and make part of one account timeline. And that is what enables us to say, what is the very first thing we know about this account all the way through until the account is one? That's all very impressive. And I mean, we, we do a lot of webinars. We do a lot of in-person events and one common theme one common question i get after many of these events or during if it's a webinar yeah is is regarding attribution right because i can tell you we work with very big companies and even smaller ones i mean the fact that the company is big i mean just creates the the assumption that they will have some some boxes checked but It's like a common thing. Most people struggle when it comes to attribution, right? And I, 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 I was really looking forward to this discussion for that exact reason because I know that most companies struggle when it comes to when it comes to, to attribution. Before we we dive deeper into things, though, I have a, a very basic question for you, which is that um, I'm in this industry for a while now, and I see that ROI seems to be a taboo for content marketers. Do you see? the same thing and if yes why do you think that is is that for content specifically or for all marketing i would say specifically for content marketing because seo is something that um you could like more easily let's say connect to to revenue and return on investment whereas when it comes to content the example you gave uh <laughs> just now was was a very like vivid one you have a piece of content that like many people start their journey from there, but yeah. maybe it is like the, the sales cycle is six, nine, 12 months long, right? How can you attribute value to this piece of content? And so I see that many content marketers become very defensive when it comes to ROI. And I yes. just wanted to know whether this is something that you've noticed as well. And I'm really glad. I'm really, I'm, that's why I'm super happy to be here because it is a topic I'm, I'm super passionate about myself. And particularly because I've I've both been in this situation where I had the problem first, no proof. And now I can see with my own eyes how we solve this problem for our customers. Uh, in my last job before uh, working at uh, Dream Data, I was at a hardware company selling screen sharing devices. We were selling to, to schools and businesses. We had been very driven by just paid ads uh, for a long while. But then I think it was from 2007 to 18, we decided to, let's actually build a content team now. Let's, let's, we hired a writer, we hired a videographer, we hired a designer and then a manager for this team so they could start putting out a lot of content because we knew that you, you can't do six-figure deals with just like a click on a Facebook ad. And for the longest time, this team just kept producing what I felt was pretty good content. They released articles, did videos. I could see organic search went up in Google. Uh, great. Uh, in Ahrefs, I could see that the like these vanity metrics of the website rankings went up as well. But then, you know, when the CEO comes or the CFO comes and asks, how much have we sold from from what like you have a headcount of four people producing content? Why are we doing this? And tell you the truth, I didn't have the answer, and it's painful. What changed the whole thing was really that I uh, I met my two now co-founders, uh, Lars and Ole, who had been going at this problem from a, a technical perspective uh, at a company called Trustpilot, uh, where they had the same challenges. 
when we sell, what was the path to the, the to selling? Um, and because we had so we had been using uh, now I'll get into a little bit of a, a technical explanation, George, of why you can you actually do this now. We had been using uh, segment.com for tracking our website uh, at AirTeam. So we have constantly been first-party tracking everything that is on the website. We've been storing that in a data warehouse. We've been tracking every form submit and storing that in the in the data warehouse. The idea and what, which, uh, which Lars Nola hacked back then and what we still do today is that now we've automated this whole process of taking tracking data putting into an account-based timeline and connecting that to the revenue component, which for B2B companies is the CRM system. So let's say if we take this article we talked about before, it's constantly pulling in a lot of traffic, but people don't convert on the first session, or maybe not the second session where they're hit by some retargeting or the third or the fourth, but maybe on the fifth visit, they go back to the website, finds an ebook, press download. In this case, the CRM system will say somebody came directly and downloaded this ebook. But what actually happened is that this guy, girl, had five visits. The first visit was this SEO article, Organic Google. This is what we can reveal because we're storing every visit. And then upon the form submit, we get the consent from the user to say, can we take who we now know you are and join together with what you did with while you're anonymous? And then you have the one person and then you take his or her data and put into the accounts timeline as well. And then suddenly you have the money component from the CRM and the path they took, everything we at least we know about the, uh, the account. And then you can start to say, we've produced these articles. They've yielded this much sales pipeline uh, so far. and now you can say something when they start asking whether is the headcount worth it or or not. Does that make sense, uh, George? It does. It does. But it also opens, you know, a whole like um, series <laughs> of, of of questions of follow up questions, right? I mean, for me, it sounds great, and I and I wish that um, I wish that many people, you know, listen to or watch this this episode. Because I, th once again, going back to what I was saying earlier, I know that many people struggle when it comes to these things. Um, my question is, my first question, follow up to that, can you do that at scale though? Because I guess that for a, like a business, like an agency, let's say, which is B2B, it's, it's, a, it's a small numbers game, right? While if we are talking about a SaaS where they get, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, in some cases, even millions of visits per month um, and like some thousands of leads in some cases. Can they do this like connecting the dots um, uh, kind of sequence at scale? Is is that, that? That is what our product does. It runs completely automatically and it scales to infinity. Okay, but what are the metrics that like or what 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 is the what are the pieces of information that you can get out of something like this? Like these are the past paths. These are the pages that you can attribute the most revenue to. What, yeah. what kind of metrics can you get? And what do you advise people focus on when it comes to uh, condens, um, condens contribution to pipeline? Yeah. Good questions. Uh, so 
this, the shortest answer is focus on money. <laughs> what influence money? <laughs> the longer explanation is that that you can break, uh, you can say the insight into two buckets. The one bucket is the traditional SEO one. What are the landing pages that are pulling in traffic? And does this traffic become pipeline and revenue later? You'll typically find that all these pages there where you did your keyword research, you found some really big keywords, and you're now ranking one. They're oftentimes not yielding any revenue because you selected a too wide topic and there's no intention behind that topic. But you might also find gold nuggets of content where there's little traffic, but every time they come through this article, they go to the sales pipeline. And then you can analyze how is it ranking today? Can we move it up? In Google, if it's ranking seven today, if we move it up to three or two or one, it's going to correlate with more money. It can also be an inspiration for what type of content should we be doing? Should we leave behind this like broad keyword and narrow even more down a very geeky stuff to towards our industry? Because we have to prove every time we have these articles, it's actually they end up in the sales pipeline. So that is the one component, like the landing page perspective. Who do, where do we pull them in from? In this case, organic search. And what does it become afterwards? The other perspective, which I think is something unique and something that content marketers never think about, is that we can also tell you which pages did people look at when they bought your product in this B2B journey. So like in a six or 12 month journey over three, four, five, six people. And we can do that because we, from the CRM system, we know which accounts you've won. We know which people belong to this account. We know every single URL that they've looked at uh, on your website. So we can start informing you. Actually, when they're making a buying decision, they're checking uh, the about page, your community page, your integrations page, all these articles that you don't do to pull in a lot of traffic. But it's articles you need to read as you kind of validate that this is a company I can trust. So we can kind of flip it around and say, we won the deals. What did they look at instead? And that's typically super insightful because it's <laughs> there's a lot of these pages you neglect because it's not it's not your traffic drivers. And that is uh, and for both sakes, it helps you produce more, it helps you spend your time on content that influences revenue. And that is oh, yeah. the answer you want to give to the CFO and CEO. Definitely. Can I can I ask you though? Aren't there any kind of blind spots? Because I, I, I don't know if all the like touch points a company has um, with, let's say, a SaaS company that they are thinking about, uh, you know, uh, purchasing or subscribing to. So, for example, okay, there are things that happen on the website, right? But what if... They check a, a blog post. That's great. That's the first touch point. But then they checked something on LinkedIn, um, a post that one of like the, the marketing uh, members uh, did about a podcast they appear to. Is yeah. that this is a touch point, but the LinkedIn post is the second one. And I guess the podcast is the third one, right? Yeah. In that case, can you also measure and attribute value to? touch points that are, you know, uh, not happening on the website, which are very important though? Yeah. Um, so the short answer is no. So the, I think you need to, to think, we work 
with things that has a digital reflection. And if it doesn't have a digital reflection, it, we, we can kind of map it into a customer journey. So we will never say that we have the perfect answer for you, but we can help you identify stuff that are like consistently present either in a positive or a negative sense. Um, to give you a little bit longer answer, um, the, the different kind of platforms where you go to market is becoming more and more liberal uh, with their APIs, meaning the access to the data. So we have, a, for example, we have an official partnership now with uh, LinkedIn where they expose engagement data uh, on their ads. So we can say that this company engaged with an ad without ever clicking it or without submitting a lead form. So this data will now go into the customer journeys as well. The same thing with the review platforms. They're also now exposing uh, their intent data. So they'll tell you at this day, this account visited this category or this profile. Uh, and then we can map that in there as well. So more and more data is becoming available to us that we can map in there. But you're right, George. There's definitely things in marketing that that makes 100% uh, sense to do, but it's, it's harder to attribute. And I think that's where we, we need to use experience and gut feeling about what are the things we should be spending our time on. And I think when it comes to content, you're always going to be facing a little bit of this, uh, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you, you, the response you see is not equal to all the value that it's creating. Uh, I think just what we do is that we help the, instead of the iceberg just being like the top 5% of what you see, then maybe you see the top 40 or 50% of what's going on. Does that uh, that resonate? Yeah, it it does. It makes sense. Uh, one thing I will I I would suggest, and I, I don't know. I mean, you obviously know data better to kind of alleviate this and tra troubleshoot it. Would be to create dedicated pages or at least add I don't know UTM's to. Um, for example, you have a podcast uh, appearance. You could share with them a specific um, URL. That still leads to your homepage, right? Yeah. But has a UTM attached to it, or um, even in some cases, if it's an important event, like a speaking gig or something, yeah. at a conference, you can do a dedicated page, landing page, for people to visit, right? And this could mm. potentially give you some insights as to you know the the, the journeys and the, the the people who came from that touch point and and so on and yeah. so forth. I'm just thinking out loud. It's it's 100 correct. There's there's definitely a lot of there's a lot of things you can do to make the bucket list uh, leaky. So like once your podcast goes live here, I could insist that it holds the UCM of whatever our conversation is, and it's your. So once the traffic arrives to our website, we see that it comes from this podcast. Yes. So there's there's a lot of tactics you can do to to mitigate it, but we should also just recognize that we'll never catch a hundred percent, and that's not the purpose. We're just looking for a direction of what 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 is clearly good or bad ideas. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Now, let me start by saying that in general, I don't believe to the funnel. You know this concept of the funnel. Yes. I think that it helps kind of simplify things and visualize how things happen. But at the same time, I think that it put us all in a 
in the wrong mindset in the sense of like the journey is rarely linear, especially nowadays. Yes. It's multi-touch, yeah. things happen here, things happen there at the same time. Um, people may not move from one stage to another. <laughs> and so it's it's a bit all over the, the place, yeah. right? So in that context, um, do you think that there is a, or to put it differently, what do you think the best attribution model is, if there is um, one that stands out? Uh, or should it be a combination of attribution models to give you the full picture? Yeah. Um, so uh, firstly, I, I can confirm I, I never think about a funnel. <laughs> like who cares? The, like the user doesn't care that you think this is now a top funnel. And then one day later, they're asking to buy your product. <laughs> like, like forget about the funnel. I, I think about that we consistently put out high quality content. Whether that's top funnel, low funnel, whatever, um, it just needs to be of supreme uh, quality every single time. And then we need to stay constantly top of mind with these customers. So that means we can't just publish on our blog. We need to publish it on LinkedIn, on a podcast, on a YouTube channel as well. So every time they open <laughs> their computer, they'll see the dream that is present and they've just released another piece of quality content. So that uh, that is my like one perspective on it um then if we speak about attribution models um if you think about a, a like a if this, i'm using my hands so those that listen can't see it but if you think about a customer journey uh, in b2b it's uh you know it heavily favors the sales team because they are the last they're the last mile they're the ones that signs the contract it is actually, I've done it myself. It's super hard work. It's 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 definitely a craft and it takes a lot of work to get these contracts signed. But it's just not, these companies just doesn't fall down from the sky and then say they're ready to buy. <laughs> they go through kind of, I, I think more about it as a, a customer journey more than a, than a funnel. Something needs to be the first touch that takes them on a path to ending up in that sales meeting. And when you talk about uh, attribution models, then as a market, so I will be, there's two components we actually need to get here. So one is that marketing has the odds against them in terms of getting credit because those touches will be in the beginning of the journey. Now, what we want to be applying the attribution model on is accounts that make it all the way to the sales pipeline or to being one not just to converting to an ebook because if we're you know whatever model you select and if you narrowly just focus on the next email you collect it might be complete crap and they never move on to the sales pipeline or you win them so you want to look at the customer journeys of the accounts that that goes very far down the customer journey and then you know the attribution model is then you can let's call it no, somewhat of an opinion about what led them to to enter the sales pipeline or being one and I would always uh, use all of the models just, you know, because it's representing the truth <laughs> in different ways. So, you know, just do the analysis on all of them and then spin up your brain to decide what uh, what is probably the right conclusion here because it is just different ways of looking at the world. Um, my personal favorite, though, uh, is quite often just the first touch model. What is the first touch we see when we win accounts? What are the things where we like 
really, really create demand. Like, where do we get in front of people who've never heard about us before and then go on this path of ending up in the sales pipeline or being a one customer? Okay, that makes sense. Are there any mistakes that you see companies make when it comes to attribution? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. That's a, lot. That's a that's rhetoric a lot question, stuff. I guess. Yeah, I think the, there's definitely one problem is that there's a big knowledge gap in terms of what is possible today versus what people do because they've always been doing it. Yeah, can like, you give an example of that? Like what's what's not possible that people think it's possible and they come to you and they're like, so we can't do that? Like, we, we yeah, we Let me give you an example of how does the data model work that we have. A user in our data model can have multiple emails so it can have a private email a professional email they can own multiple devices so they can have a computer a phone a tablet all of this we build as a graph over time so there's not this cross device challenge it doesn't exist anymore if you set up a, a customer data platform correctly i'll take it a little bit back so one thing is the technology component is that it needs to be able to grasp multiple, a lot of complexity, multiple emails, multiple devices. It also needs to be a data model that is configured to understand a B2B context. That means that we need to make these individuals part of an account journey, not just behavior of individuals, because it's always going to be the CFO or the procurement department or CEO that signs the contract. But they, they will never be the first touch on your journeys. So if your world is wired to understand the last touch of somebody who signs a contract, you'll never understand where you create the demand. So typical pitfalls. One, the CRM we touched upon in the beginning, that captures the last session in which the conversion happened. That's not where the customer journey comes from. It's not where the demand comes from. And in most CRM companies, SaaS companies in particular, there's a battle for this first touch field, which is completely misunderstood. Because it, the first touch field has not had like rarely any idea about where the, did the customer come from. And then there's two more flaws, uh, Google Analytics and ad platforms. None of them have any clue about pipeline or revenue in B2B companies. They can't handle the complexity of B2B context. Like if you think about buying a click from Google, great, somebody arrived to your website. But the deal happens 12 months later. It passes through two or three people. There's four, 40 sessions or something like that. So these devices that people are relying on where they think they can go pick up the truth is nine out of 10 times misleading them. I get it. It makes sense. One thing that I find particularly interesting and you kind of touched on a bit earlier is the fact that not only we can kind of tra uh, track the, the path that someone, you know, took uh, from the beginning until they, they are close to one, but we can also see what happens inside the company, right? And I don't know if that's connected to the, uh, the book, the, the book you recently published, the second edition of Connecting the Dots. Um, and I guess my question is, what should companies with um, long cycles, sales cycles, and different people involved in the process, right, uh, should um, do from an, an attribution standpoint? And is 
like the, the current technology that we have today, uh, can, can the technology help in that direction? I mean, if I, if I think of us as, a, as an agency, right? Um, most likely we will be approached by the content marketing director of, or the SEO director or someone in that position, right? But they will, chances are they will get, um, they will ask the buy-in from their CMO, the CMO will have a chat with the CFO and so on and so forth. So can you track all these different touch points from different people inside the company, especially when the sales cycle is long? So if there's digital reflections of this, and then yes, if it's conversations that happens across lunch inside of the customer's <laughs> company, then, then no. Um, um, we need to have kind of like you need to have you need to catch this data somehow. If if I go to your question, uh, I think the, the the thing about data is that the best time to collect it was twenty years ago, <laughs> and the second best is that you you start today by aggregating the data because when you want to do your analysis, you don't want to do it based on what we know today. We want to do it based on what we've experienced the last six to twelve months. And what the, the one component that people very often don't have is their uh, tracking data, meaning that the web track, the, what takes place on their website, because they're relying on uh, Google Analytics and, you know, then Google owns their data and they can't like take it out and model it as they want. So anybody uh, that is that is listening, I would advise to, um, you know, find the first party uh, web tracking tool and start storing all their tracking data in a data warehouse so that when they, they feel the need to start doing analysis like this, then, then they actually have the history available and don't have to start building from scratch. That can be, you know, segment.com. Uh, it can be dream data. There's many other suppliers out there, but the tracking data is typically the, the magic component that people miss because at least in SaaS companies, most people have a, a CRM system nowadays. But the, the information about what actually took place on the website is very often missing, and then they have to start uh, tracking from scratch. That's right. And I mean, I, I see many companies have all these different tools here and there, but I have yet to see a unified system and a company having... I mean, as much clarity as possible. I'm not saying that you will ever get to 100%, right? You no, can't no. get there. But as much clarity as possible about what's really going on. Not what's mm -hmm. going on in HubSpot, what's going on in Gong, what's going on <laughs> in, you know, whatever tools that all the different teams may be using, but what's really going on, right? With Clearbit mm -hmm. or like, can you bring all these things together and have a as much clear idea about what's going on and what drives revenue as you possibly can. That's that's what companies need, I guess. Yeah, that that's what we do at Dream Data. I'm voting. I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean it's uh, this. Of course, you still have to apply gut feeling and common sense and do your own analysis. But we can at least help bring forward the data that you already sit upon, but is scattered across all these different silos uh, today. I get it. Can I ask you something? What is your advice to uh, people in content marketing who want to invest in activities with hard to prove ROI um, as part of the journey? 
for example, you know, podcast. Um, I want to get my um, CEO or CMO behind the mm. mic to do like 12, 12 interviews in, in the next yeah. year, year or so. But I know that I can't, it's very difficult. Not that I can, there are some solutions to kind of, yeah. you know, get there, but it's difficult to prove that this has, this can have a very positive impact to our bottom line. Mm. Do you have anything to like to share with, with these people? Yeah, I think there's there's two things to, to do. One thing is to, you know, you need to start with the, you know, it's almost like the whole company's go-to-market strategy. Who are we trying to sell to? How do these people look like? And what is the right message to tell to these people? If we can consistently place the right message to the right people, that's what we want to do because then we will get more customers. And then, you know, it's a distribution question. SEO can be one distribution path. Posting on LinkedIn is another. Running podcasts is a third. <laughs> Doing webinars is the fourth. So kind of, so what I'm getting is, is like, it's firstly, you need to think about how do we get into the ears and into the eyes of, of the right people with the right message. Once you've done that, then there's disciplines that yields itself to easier analysis, like, people coming to a website, visiting the website and then see what's going on. But there are also other things, as you say, podcast, posting on LinkedIn, mentions in Slack channel, et cetera, that is not easy to quantify. But here you need to like get your fingers ready to do <laughs> the qualitative proof, which is, you know, take screenshots. Every time you see a post, like every time you see a mention of your company or your marketing activities, anywhere on the internet just keep a folder where you take take screenshots and I, I can guarantee you if you show up at the next monthly meeting or quarterly meeting with 100 screenshots of people mentioning your marketing activities which you can't measure quantitatively but you can show 100 people saying this is fucking awesome content then there'll be no questions asked so or <laughs> If they ask questions, there it should be probably <laughs> figure out whether they should actually be in the meeting or not, <laughs> because this is a massive proof that you're getting in front of the right people with the right message. So uh, screenshots for me is the the way forward. I, the I second agree. thing you can do is kind of you know. I agree to. Kind of uh, sorry, sorry about that, but I agree about screenshots, and I can attest to that. We also do that, and they help because we had like. The person who runs account marketing for our own brand um, shares screenshots, you know, uh, from one time to another. And uh, just the other day, he shared quite a few screenshots of people mentioning uh, like the podcast and things that we've yeah. done in the in the basis of content. And that's something I didn't know. Like, mm. really, are people suggesting our podcast? And they are <laughs> like, I, I didn't expect. I know the podcast grows, but is growing. But I I didn't expect. So this can definitely help. Mm. Even from a a morale boost standpoint, I'm sorry. You can continue with the second point. No, I, I agree that I, that I try always try to get my teammates to share successes because it helps create momentum. Like, oh fuck, it, somebody's actually listening. They like it, so let's share the success so we become motivated to do more. Now, the last two things is that you can do these kind of where did you hear about us exercises as well. So on your forms on the website, you can ask people, where did you hear about us? 
sometimes people will mention, hey, it was this particular piece of content. And you can get your salespeople to ask the same question. And then, you know, on the sales call, ask them, where did you hear about us? If you're using a call intelligence listening tool, then that will be written down in that. But but otherwise, the salespeople just need to take these anecdotes and feedback to the company. Hey, I was on this call with this great ICP. He mentioned that he was listening to our podcast. And that is the then the verbal proof of the marketing uh, working. I get it. Do you know where, where things kind of break, uh, quote unquote, for us? So when we get people, uh, when we get on calls with people and how did you hear about us? Like, where did you find us, right? I know that when they say that, oh, we were just doing a simple Google search and, you know, your website came up somewhere in the results. And when they say that, I know, okay, we are not going to work together, right? When they come to us and they are like, oh, yeah, I watched your webinar. I heard about you uh, from this community because someone mentioned something about you. Then I connected with you on LinkedIn. And then I decided, you know, to, to book a call. I'm like, okay. We we are very close, you know, because yeah. these people, we are already positioned in their minds as like a company that knows their stuff, right? They yeah. can somehow trust us at this point. But I follow you on LinkedIn as well. And some of the cases I'm kind of, I want this growth. <laughs> and then if I were to come to you, then I already seen all the proof that you do good work. So the conversation changes very much. Yeah, um, for sure. And you 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 are able to position yourself pretty much as you want to position yourself nowadays. Um, my second to last question would be, what do you think the future of attribution is for B2B companies and specifically for SaaS companies? You mentioned something about, you know, um, like LinkedIn and other platforms being a bit more open when it comes to their data, which is definitely a positive change especially for, for companies. I don't know about like individuals and users, but for mm-hmm. companies, anything else that you think is part of the future of this whole attribution thing? Like two things. I think in general, I think there's a, a, there's a rise uh, in first-party data. Uh, and first-party data meaning that companies start to become aware that they need to own their own data. Whereas like five, 10 years ago, we were okay with relying at third-party vendors like you know google analytics facebook ads etc they just have they hold all our important go-to-market uh, data that's not okay anymore and you know because of gdpr it's becoming less and less uh, allowed to share data across systems without uh, permission of users so you need to be the captain on of your own permissions and you need to collect this data and store it so you can do your own analysis. I think this trend is something we see particularly in SaaS companies that are more and more aware, aware that they need to, to mature when it comes to to data. The second thing, which is the, what we are preaching all the time, which I hope people will start to get, is that B2C and B2B uh, customer journeys are very, very different. So you can't use the same tools to understand these journeys. And um, <laughs> that is kind of the, I think that's the essential thing that people don't understand. <laughs> uh, CRM systems is not able to like hold your customer journeys. You need to to look at it uh, through other lenses. 
Yeah, it's just there for a specific purpose, which is to kind of store specific bits of information, right? Um, data about your your prospects, your customers, and so on and so forth. So from our discussion today, it's pretty obvious that people should connect that um, and enrich that and understand that better uh, through solutions like Dream Data, right? And by the way, this is not a sales pitch, right? Uh, I'm just impressed by by everything that you said so far. And um, I really think that attribution is a problem, but there are solutions to uh, fix that problem up to a certain extent, of course, right? That was great. Uh, last question I have for you, Stefan, where can people find out more about you and get in touch? Yeah, that is, for me, that is LinkedIn. I, I probably spend too much time there, but but people are welcome to connect and uh, and ask questions. And uh, as I said, like if people want to give it a try, we actually have a quite nice free product at, uh, at Dream Data as well that they can go check out. Is it freemium or what? Uh, yeah, so there's, you can say, <laughs> there's, we have, Two things. We have a free product, which is basically just web tracking, uh, a Google Analytics for B2B companies, where we also where we track all the data and store it. And we also allow you to um, connect all your ad platforms and like daily see how much you spend on the, these different campaigns. The other thing is uh, is our paid product, where we take the tracking data and web tracking data and connect that to to pipeline and revenue. So the free product helps you collect the web web data. The paid product helps you connect your kind of whole go-to-market ecosystem and then understand how the full customer journey evolves into into pipeline and revenue. The thing, though, is that someone can start from the free product and they should start because you need to start tracking things, right? And then you have a history, you have historic data. You can, like, uh, you know, subscribe to a paid account. You can do that because you have data. I'm... The point I'm trying to make here without prompting anyone to, to buy or anything like that is, I don't know, since there is a free uh, option available, why shouldn't someone connect it? And um, later on, they are ready to move forward with a paid plan. They have historic data that they can use, right? Exactly. I don't, do, yeah. do I get this correctly? Well, uh, completely. Yeah. Okay. That was all very insightful. Um, and uh, I would like to thank you very much for doing this. I really appreciate it, uh, knowing how limited your time is. Thank you very much. And looking forward to follow-up discussions like this. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to the sponsor for this episode, AHS. AHRS provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use AHRS Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahers.com slash AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.